I did a whole, I think it was, I don't know, four-part series on fasting in January because I was challenging you to really set some time aside to seek the Lord. And uh, this year I have a little bit different direction, but this morning I am going to just encourage you a little bit in the area of fasting. Now, uh, you know, this isn't a mandatory thing, but I'm encouraging you. Why? Because I had somebody do that to me, and guess what? It don't work. Uh, I had a pastor one time that I worked for, and they were like, you know, they called a church-wide fast, and every day they'd, they'd, I'd walk in the office in the morning, they'd say, did you eat anything? What did you eat yesterday? Well, how many of you know, it's kind of hard to keep my heart right. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, it was funny, our, at, the, at that particular church, our associate pastor there, he had some kids, and so he'd ordered his kids pizza. And he was like, I didn't eat any of the toppings. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, he had figured out, a, you know, and so this isn't a legalistic thing, and yet it can become very legalistic very quickly. This is a matter of the heart. This is something between you and the Lord. And so, but I can just tell you from my personal experience, I believe, I didn't, I didn't go back and look, but I think this is my 6th January, where I'm setting a specific time aside. Uh, I choose 21 days. You're like, well, where does that come from? It comes from Daniel 8. Uh, you know, the specific where people call it the Daniel fast, which is really twofold. But you go read in Daniel 1 and it says it, uh, the king had provided for him and all of the guys who had come into captivity. But they were going to go work for the king. And so the king provides them his buffet, basically. And uh, Daniel says, hey, we don't want to eat the king's meat because we choose not to, to, to defile ourselves. Now, today we don't live on the outside. But how many of you know we can still have things that would defile our heart? We can still have uh, things that would come in and would hinder the work of God in our lives. And so it doesn't matter what you eat, quite honestly. Now, are all things beneficial for you? Probably not. I mean, I love Dr. Pepper, but guess what? I won't be drinking any. And you know what? I actually feel better when I don't drink it, even though I like it. And even though come February, I'll be drinking it again. I will still feel better for not drinking it. And I can, and I can just tell that in the natural. I sleep better. I thought I don't sleep good now, but I sleep great. When I wake up, it's not like, oh gosh, I got to wake up and roll out of bed. I just, I'll wake up and be laying there like, when are my alarms going to go off? I have more energy. And, you know, and that's a natural thing. But how much other things really, and I think that word's important there where Daniel talks about that. And he says, I will not allow anything to defile me. And he, you know, and of course the guy who's overseeing them is kind of freaking out because he says, man, if something happens to you guys and y'all don't look so good, the king's going to kill me for it. And Daniel says, look, let's just do a test run. Give me 10 days. Give me vegetables and water. Give us vegetables and water. And the Bible says that God gave them a supernatural ability to learn out of that. And it says that at the end of those 10 days that... He was that they were sharper and, and even doing better and looked better than the guys who had been eating all the king's big spread that he had laid out. And so that's where a lot of people get this concept of a Daniel fast, which is a, you know, it's just fruits and vegetables. And people do that. Now, I'll just tell you, I'll be real honest and real fleshly. I hate salad. I don't like salad. I hate salad. I don't, I don't care for it. I don't, want a, I don't want a piece of lettuce on a hamburger. Like, I, I just, I don't like salads. But you know what? One thing I've learned is that, and this is just a straight discipline thing in my life. It's one of the ways that it helps me get along through, is I've learned to eat salad. I'll eat more salad in January than I will all year. <laughs> Hands down. Now, you know, I'm not telling you specifically what I'm doing. I do a variation of things. I don't just do one thing for 21 days. I've always had, I've changed it up. Sometimes the Lord gives me specific things and then, uh, you know, and so my encouragement for you this morning is not just to figure out what somebody else is doing and do it. That's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm asking you to do is to go to the Lord and ask him, Lord, is there something that I need to set aside here at the first of the year? That's why I called this. I mean, I guess this is going to be part one of this series, but it's first, which is kind of the tagline is keeping God first priority in our life. You know, as believers, that's supposed to be the norm for us. Is that we're to live, and I, uh, I think somebody wrote a book one time. I haven't read it, but I saw the title and it popped in my mind as I was doing some of this this week. Is that we're supposed to live a God-first life. That God should be first and foremost in every decision and everything that we do. 
in our life. And over the last number of years now, I've just seen that when I've taken really a, and set aside some time at the beginning of the year, it's just like the tithe. If I'll honor God with the tithe, the other 90% will be blessed. Well, I believe that if we'll set time aside here at the beginning of the year and we'll honor God at the beginning of the year, the rest of our year will be even more abundantly blessed. Does that mean if you don't do this, that God's not going to bless you this year and you're cursed? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear that. But what I am saying is if I believe that if you will just be obedient to what God is stirring in your heart, that God will be able to, abund- will be able to do abundantly above all that you could think and imagine this year. Because we're setting the tone for 2016 right now. And I don't know about you, I want more of an experience more in my relationship with God. I want to experience more of God's power in our church than we did even in 2015. I want to experience even more in 2016. I don't want to ever be satisfied. I never want to get to the place where I just say, you know what, I'm comfortable and I'm good. And so let's just ride this thing out until... Like, there's just something in me that if I get to that place, I'm looking to roll. Because I, I can't, there's just something in me that always wants to press, even in my own life. It's a, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Sometimes I have to learn to pump the brakes a little bit and slow down and don't push so hard. Because that's just my personality. I'm a get it done kind of person. Like, you know, what's the problem? Let's fix it. Let's move on. That's my, and you know, but even in this, it, you know, Honestly, for me, fasting is very difficult because it goes against everything in my nature. My nature is fix it, get things in order, get this straight. And God says, hey, I want you to take a break at the beginning of the year. So for me, to not get busy is the ultimate, for me personally, it's the ultimate sign that I'm trusting God. Because I'm saying, God, I can't do anything about it, so I'm just going to let you be God because I know that I'm not. So for me, it's difficult to slow down. And some of you are like that. You're a high drive, high capacity person that just got to go and do. And I'm telling you, you might need to pump the brakes a little bit at the beginning of the year. And listen and really press into your relationship with the Lord. Set some time aside. Remove some distractions. I mean, you, you, I, mean I can just tell you, you still have to go to work tomorrow. You don't get to just like, well, I'm just not going to go to work for this amount of time. And I'm going to seek the... No, we still have a life. I mean, we've still got a son. Many of you have children. Many of you still have responsibilities. I'm not saying that we do away with the responsibilities and doing the things that we should do. What I'm saying is that we need to look for those areas of our life that aren't essential. That just as what Daniel said, that those things that could even possibly be defiling us and robbing us of the life of God in us this year. And if we'll set the tone now for what God wants to do, and and I'm going to be sharing next week, Really about getting a vision for this year for your life. You know, God has a purpose for you this year. God has things that he wants you to accomplish this year. It's not just kind of out there. It's just some unknown something. No, God will speak specifically to you. This is what I want you to do this year. This is what I want you to believe for this year. This is what I, where you need to stretch in areas of your life this year. How many of you believe that? Amen. For 2016, God has a plan for you. Well, how are you going to step in and find out what that plan is? Because how many of you know if you wait till August to find out what God wanted to do in 2016, you might be in trouble. Because you might not have enough time. I mean, let's be honest. Let's just, we're going to have a real moment of sincerity and honesty in the church. How many of you in the last week or two have thought about things that you wanted to do in 2015 and thought, I wish I would have? Most everybody. That's what happens at the end of the year. We reflect, right? And we kind of look back and there's things and it's like, man, I should have done this and I could have done that. And there were things that the Lord spoke to me and I didn't follow through on that. Well, good news. It's a new year. It's a new day. We get a fresh start. Now, the good news is we don't have to wait for January 1. We can just repent any time and the Lord says, you get a fresh start. We don't have to wait for this, but it falls really just kind of in the way of life, if you will, that the first of the year, you know, and I'm not a, and I shared this last year, I'm not a big guy on New Year's resolutions because they've never worked for me. But I can say this, every time that I've gotten God's plan and God's thoughts, I was able to walk it out. Why? Because it it wasn't any longer just a matter of, well, this would be a good idea. This was the Lord told me, and if I don't do it, 
Now I'm in disobedience. And that's a different, and, and you know, and, and there's, carries a different weight with it. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, and we're going to look at some specific scriptures um, concerning uh, fasting, because I believe it's important that you hear from God for you. And here's the thing, and this is what I always tell people, is that you need to know where you are at. Be honest with yourself, and don't set yourself up for failure because you're like, well, I'm just going to go whole, like, way over the top with this. No, just, you know, I, I was talking to my sister the other day. And she's a Dr. Pepper fan like me. And this is, and I'll tell you this, but you won't know her and she wouldn't care if I told you, so it doesn't matter. But she said, I'm giving up sweet tea and Dr. Pepper for January. But you know what? If that's what the Lord told her to do, he'll honor that. You're like, well, what does it matter? Sweet tea and Dr. Pepper. If the Lord told her, look, I want you to lay that aside. Then that's what she needs to do. If the Lord says, hey, turn the TV off, guess what? You need to turn the TV off. Get off the internet. Get off Facebook. Stop reading those books and start reading my word. I I mean, those are instructions from the Lord. And and look, many times they're not that clear. Many times for me, it's just a knowing in my heart. It's just like, man, I need to do something about this. Like the, the, I, I just sense this. It's not like a, oh, I just know this. It's just something that on the inside of me that I would not have thought on my own. I'm like, I, I believe, and many times I'll even say it like this. I believe the Lord is leading me in this direction. Here's the goodness of God. Anything that you do in an attempt to honor Him, He will honor. If your heart's right, even if He didn't tell you to do it, but you do it anyways, God will honor it. Why? Because your heart was right. Now, if you do it for a wrong motive, guess what? God ain't going to bless that. And we're going to look at that here in a minute. No, because God has things for each one of us that even in these next few weeks that I believe that if we'll set some time aside, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, put some things aside, I believe not only will we be closer in our walk with the Lord, not only will we hear Him more accurately and clearly, but I believe it sets us up for success for the rest of the year. I really believe that. Here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Sorry, Brooke, you don't have this one. I threw this one in last second. So, Romans chapter 12 verse 1. The apostle writes and he says that I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let him be a living and a holy sacrifice. The kind that he will accept. He says when you, are, when you think of all that he has done. Is this too much to ask? You know sacrifices didn't go away with the Old Testament. They just changed. We don't have to sacrifice blood or of bulls and goats and birds and all. No, we've become that living sacrifice, is what he's saying here. He says, and in light of all that God has done for you, is it really too much to ask? Is it really too much to ask for God to say, look, we're to be a holy and a living sacrifice before the Lord. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, don't copy copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. How does God change you? He gives you a new mentality. Once I was guilty, now... I'm redeemed. Once I was screwed up without help. Now I'm saved by grace. And there's a power living on the inside of me. That enables me to live and to walk in newness of life. That's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of talking. It's a new way of identifying. He goes on here, the last part of verse 2, and he says that you will know what God wants you to do and you will know uh, how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. You know, even when you're looking at these verses, and I've taught these verses many times. Probably one of the places I went the most as a youth pastor, I would say. Why? Because teenagers give in to peer pressure a lot. But if you really look at these just on at face value without a preconceived idea, he talks about... That God would change you in verse 2 there. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So here's my question. How does that happen? Now we all know that, hey, the word happened. That's one avenue. The word will change who we are. It will change the way that we think. But in verse 1 here, it says that we're to offer our lives as a sacrifice before the Lord. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's going to be some things that I will lay down in these next few weeks that I would rather just hold on to. 
quite honestly. I'd rather just keep. I'd rather do. I'd rather not change certain things. But the question is, how bad do I want to grow? Me. I'm not talking about necessarily. Now, that's a question that I have to ask myself. It's a question that you have to ask yourself. How bad do you want to grow this year? How far do you want to go in your understanding and in the revelation from the word of God in your life? Because it doesn't just happen by showing up at church, although that can be a part of it. That's not all of it. We have individual responsibility that says, God, I'm going to lay my life down as a living sacrifice, holy, and I know that it's acceptable to you. That as I would do that, that you would bring about new revelation and fresh understanding into my life so that now my thinking will be different so that it will affect every part of my life for the rest of this year and well beyond it. I mean, for the last number of years now, I can confidently tell you that I have every year that I've started doing this in January, at the end of the year, I was stronger than I started. I had grown and God had done things in my life and I didn't always, I mean, I can't tell you one time, honestly, that in January God gave me something that just blew my mind. It was just like, oh my gosh, fasting's amazing. <laughs> it's never happened. You would think, man, like, you know, come day 18, 19, 20, like day 21, it's going to be like an open heaven. Yeah. You know, that's never happened. It would be nice. It'd be like, here's my reward. Yay! It doesn't happen like that. But, you know, it might be April, May, August, November. All of a sudden, there's a breakthrough that comes in my life. Something just supernaturally happens and other people be like, well, I wish God would do that for me. And I know, well, if you would do what I did in January, God would do that for you. Amen. And that's not a prideful statement. That's just an honest statement. Is that God honors when we are willing to make him first priority. Amen. I mean, he rightfully deserves it. But we have to keep him there. We have to keep him as the first priority, the first, the, uh, really that, that priority in our life. You know, and the thing is, is that it's not just about fasting. If you're simply going without, that's not the goal. Fasting in and of itself, by itself, is not spiritual. If all you do is abstain from certain things, I don't know what you're doing. You're suffering. I don't know what to tell you. No, it's when fasting or a self-denial, if you will, of something or some things with and partnered with prayer partnered with spending time in the presence of God. Now it becomes spiritual. If you say, well, I'm not going to eat or drink these certain things, but you don't spend time in prayer, then guess what? You're on a diet. You're not doing anything spiritual. The goal and the focus of this has to be spiritual. If you're going to reap and, and receive all of the spiritual blessings that can come from it. You know, I, I mean, in, uh, well, let me give you this real quick. There's a little mini book. I actually bought it uh, this week. It's by, some of you may know who this is. Some of you may not. But it's a, it's a great little resource that I would encourage you if you're, uh, you know, it's just some of the basics, if you will, about fasting. But it's by Pastor Billy Joe and uh, Sharon Daughtery, who are pastors in Tulsa. It's called Fasting and Prayer. You can go on Amazon and it's 99 cents. 99 cents. How many of you got a dollar? It's like 32 pages long. It's a mini book. But you can download it digitally for 99 cents. And it's just it's got some good basic principles, some things that they'll share about that are just good, solid things. But this is one of the things that they said in that little book that I wrote down. Is that there's power in prayer, but there is added power in, the com- when, in a combination of fasting and prayer. Your prayers will be even that much more effective. Why? Because you're not distracted by everything else. There's a purity to your prayer, a purity to your faith. Why? Because, and I've had this happen, that the Lord would adjust little things that I pray. Not big things. I'll, you know, I'll be praying, have my confessions. How many of you confess the word? You have your things that you speak over your life. I, I mean, one of the ones that I say, and I haven't said it as much lately, but I used to say it a lot, which was, I thank you that favor goes before me. That I have favor with God, and because I have favor with God, I have favor with men. I thank you that doors would open for me that only God could open, that no man could ever shut. That's a confession. 
Why? Well, that's because the Bible talks about favor. And I need favor in my life. You know, and, and those things are great and those things are good. But sometimes I've had it where even I, I've been saying those things and God will say, you need to adjust that. Just change this word. Change that word. You need to, you know, change it around. And why? Because I need to line it up perfectly with his word. Yes. Because, you know, I mean, we've all done that where you're quoting a verse, quoting a verse, quoting a verse. Then you go read that verse and you're like, oh, that's not what I say. <laughs> I, need, I thought that's the way it said it. But it says, and I, look, it's not legalism. Don't get caught up in that. But sometimes the Lord will make small adjustments. And I've had that. Even during the seasons of times of prayer where he'll say, that's a good prayer, but this would be a better prayer. This is a more effective thing to pray. Well, that comes because I've set time aside. I've gotten rid, you know, for me, I take away TV. I take away all music. I listen to worship music, preaching, and I read the word. And I'll probably read some type of devotional. That's going to be the focus of, of my time, if you will. I mean, I get off the internet. I mean, I try to, you know... All those things that are easy to control, I try to control them as much as possible. Doesn't mean I don't check my email, but I don't hang out there either. You know, I mean, I'll get on Facebook to check and make sure nobody sent me messages. Why? Because people contact me on Facebook. You know, sometimes that's people's way that they contact me. But I don't sit there for an hour on Facebook. I get on there, no messages, close. And you move on. Why? So it's not that you just... So again, it's not about legalism. Please don't hear that. It's about hearing from the Lord. You know, here recently, uh, I had to take my Jeep into the shop about a month and a half ago. And so they had told me a few things were wrong. It was actually at Thanksgiving time. And so I knew we were going to be gone uh, to see Dara's family and to see my family as well. And so I was like, well, I'm going to put my, sh- my Jeep in the shop while I'm gone. That way I ain't got to wait on it and be without a car while I'm in town. And so I knew they were going to do several things to it. But one of the things that they had told me, I had a little... Engine light come on one day, just popped one time and it never came up again. But I said, hey, the light popped on one time. Can y'all look at that and tell me what it is? And they're like, well, yeah, it was this, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you need a tune-up, which I'm not a supercar guy. And I'm like, new cars still need to be tuned up? Like, I didn't know this. And I'm just being honest with you. And I thought, well, that's crazy. And they're like, well, it's going to cost $400 for that tune-up. I was like, holy cow. We'll check no to that. And uh, so, anyhow, long story short, though, I take it in and I'm like, you know, it's 400 bucks. It's there. I'm not inconvenienced because it's there. I'm going to go ahead and get it fixed. I'm going to go ahead and get whatever it was wrong. You know, or whatever. So they do it. I get my truck back or Jeep, whatever you want to call it. I get it back and I'm driving. It's driving nice. It's all, you know, I got some things fixed. And I can tell that there's a difference. I knew some of the things they had fixed. You know, because there were several things that I had fixed on it. You know, and so I'm like, man, this is nice. It runs good. It cranks good. It doesn't make this popping sound anymore because I had an exhaust leak. It was driving me nuts. And so I got that fixed. And so, you know, no big deal. I pay the money. I take my Jeep. I'm happy. They fixed my car. Well, we go to Shreveport in my Jeep. I don't know, the next couple weeks. I don't know when it was. And something else happened that I had no idea about. My gas mileage jumped. I mean, we're talking about like when I normally drove, I got 14 miles a gallon on the highway. Now I'm getting 19 miles to the gallon on the highway. So what I didn't know was going to be fixed got fixed even though I didn't know it. And all of a sudden it was a much better blessing than what I even realized because the money that I spent, now not with gas at $1.50, but when gas is 3 and $4, guess what? My investment to fix my car is going to pay for itself. Sometimes that's what fasting will do. You will fast thinking it's for one thing, but the blessing will come even greater than what you thought you were getting. God will go above and beyond just because you decided to seek him. Just because you said, man, I don't have to do this right now, but I think I want to. Everything may be perfectly fine in your life right now. And you say, well, I don't have any reason to fast. Sure you do. Why? Because it's part of our life. It's supposed to be part of who we are. Matthew 6, we'll look here in a few minutes, you can go ahead and turn there. But in Matthew 6, uh, I taught from this quite a bit last year. But in Matthew 6, Jesus really gives three criteria that as believers, there's three things that all believers are supposed to do. It's not an if, it's a when. All three of them say when, not if. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. All three of them. It's not a question of, of you know, now the determination is, is when, how much, how often. Those are all between you and the Lord. But if you've never experienced this part of a life with God, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider it. 
to honestly ask the Lord, what would you have me to do? Here in verse 16, he gives instructions. This is Jesus speaking. But he says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. He says, I assure you, that is the only reward they will ever get. I like to say it this way. The Lord wants you to take a shower and look decent if you're going to fast. Don't walk around moping like, I'm starving. You need to stop saying, I'm starving and start saying, Lord, I thank you that you're my sustainer of life. Every time that hunger pain might kick in or that desire for that. No, I have something else that will sustain me. John 4 talks about that. Jesus was sitting there at the woman with the well and he says, I have nourishment that the disciples did not know about. That word nourishment simply means that which truly satisfies and delights the mind, soul, and the spirit. Jesus said, I have food that you guys have no clue about. We have the ability to tap into spiritual life and spiritual ability and let me just say this because I, I did an experiment a couple years ago. Because I had people say, well, you know, I, I work manual labor. And they're like, you're in the ministry. You don't, you don't know what it's like to be me. So a couple years ago when I, we had left Kansas, I was working on a ranch. I was digging fence posts and doing road, like pavement, asphalt by hand. And guess what? I fasted for, I think, 13 days with no food, only water. And I worked every day. Now, this is what I did. Every day at lunch, I went into a barn and I turned on some worship music. And I began to worship and I began to pray. So people can't tell me that it can't be done. And I can tell you countless accounts of men that I know who have done things. Now, I'm not telling you don't eat. That's not what I'm telling you. But I'm just saying, if the Lord asks you to lay something aside, he's more than capable of sustaining you. He's more than capable of sustaining you. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to turn to Him. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to draw on Him. Because trust me, you will. It's faith in action. God, I need you right now because I'm not feeling so great in my... I mean, if, you just, if, you're, if you're like me and you drink caffeine and you cut caffeine out, day two, you're going to be crying out to the Lord. Amen. Deliver me from this... Now, let me say this. I would encourage you, if that is you, and you're like, I feel like the Lord asked me to lay this down. Kind of taper off. Don't just go cold turkey because you're going to be hurting. I mean, I, I just again, I, I want to be practical with you. I wouldn't tell you just to go from your normal life to just, I'm going to go into water only fast. Now, you probably ought to think about going into a Daniel fast first. And my, uh, my advice to you would be, get off salt and sugar, then do a Daniel fast, and then... Take that step. Like, well, that doesn't sound like it's faith, uh, but it's wisdom. Yes. God will not ask you to do something stupid. That's why I say you need to ask the Lord about what he would have you to do. Because if the Lord will call it, the Lord will bless it, and he will sustain you. It goes on here. He's talking about these guys don't do it where everybody sees it, or that's all the reward they'll ever get. He says, but when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will suspect that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in secret. And your father who knows uh, all secrets will reward you. In verse 19, I just I want to point this out. This is a very, very, very familiar passage of scripture. Most people pick up at verse 19, but Jesus is teaching and thought here. He didn't stop and say, okay, let's take a break. We'll be back. No, he's teaching. So he says, when you fast so that, your, so that your father will reward you. It says in verse 19, store up uh, treasures here on earth where they, uh, or it says do not store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten and moth, uh, or eaten by moths and get rusty and where uh, thieves break in and steal. It says store up uh, your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty and where they will be safe from thieves. Verse 21 says, For wherever your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts will be also. Wherever your treasure is, wherever what you value is, that's where your heart and your thoughts will be also. Well, we want to keep God first and first priority in our life. We want to live a life that He is first and foremost in us. And it's important that we take time to really focus on that. Now, in the next few minutes here, turn with me to Isaiah 58. I want to give you a specific example here. Because the thing is, is that we can fast and not receive the benefit. 
We can set time aside and seek the Lord and it not really be beneficial the way that he desired that it would be. And we see there's an account here where that's exactly what's happening. You know, it's like I said earlier. If you just fast and yet you don't spend time with the Lord, you're not going to receive the benefit that it should be. That it could be in your life. Why? Because it's spiritual. We have to make fasting spiritual. Guess what? Buddhists fast much more than we do. And they're much more strict and much more, I would say, disciplined in their fasting. Hindus, Buddhists, fasting is a regular part. But the problem is, it's just physical, really it's just self-denial. And they believe that they, you know, it's self-control in a way, but they believe it makes them more godly. No, it doesn't. What it makes them is disciplined. It does not make them godly. And there's a difference. I don't know about you. I want to be godly and I want to be more like Christ. Well, if I never if I never slow down and take moments to hear from the Lord, it's easy to just get busy. You know, I asked you earlier, how many of you had regrets from 2015? How many of you say would say honestly, it's because I got too busy and so I didn't make it a priority? About half of you. Just because you got busy. And look, and that's not a guilt thing. What I'm telling you is, okay, so slow down now. Take a moment here because, hey, I'm in that club. I raised my hand, not because I was trying to get you to raise your hand, because I'm there. Because there's things that I know I just got busy doing other things and focusing on other things that I didn't follow through on certain things that I really believe that I needed to take care of. Well, I'm not going to get in guilt about it or in condemnation about it. I'm going to learn. I'm going to say, okay, God, what are we going to do this year? Do you want me to finish those things? Because sometimes the Lord will say, hey, since we didn't quite get that one wrapped up, let's just keep it going into this year. And sometimes he'll say, no, that was for that season. So whatever, you know, it may come again later, but right now it's not for that. In Isaiah 58, though, we see some things here. Verse 1. This is the Lord speaking to the children of Israel, by the way. Can you turn me down just a hair? I feel like I'm right on the edge of feeding back. It says, shout with a voice of a trumpet blast. It says, tell my people Israel of their sins. It says, yet they act so pious. In case you don't know what that word pious means, it just means godly. They act godly. The New Testament word is godliness. They act so godly. It says, they come to the temple every day and uh, seem delighted to hear my laws. So we kind of already hear kind of something's going wrong here. The Lord's already kind of saying, hey, there's, there's an issue. He says, you act godly and you come to church and you seem delighted to hear the word. He said, you should almost think that, that this is a righteous nation and they would never abandon its God. God says, you almost had me fooled. Not really, but... He said, looking from the outside, though, you would think, oh, this is a godly nation. It says, they love to make a show of coming to me and asking me to take action on their behalf. Verse 3, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have done much penance, and you don't even notice it. So here they are, and the Lord's pointing it out to them. He's saying, you know, they're in the midst of a fast. They're fasting before the Lord. And they're saying, you know, God, why don't you hear us? Why don't you see the sacrifice that we're making? Well, God already gave us the clue as to why it wasn't working and why he wasn't listening. Because they were playing a game and they were just filling a role. They seemed delighted to hear the law of the Lord. But they weren't delighted to hear the law of the Lord. See, here's the truth. When you seem delighted to come to church and to hear the word, and it's just for the show, guess what? It will never affect your life. Why? Because your heart, the parable of the word being sown, it's being thrown on hard ground. And guess what? The Bible says the enemy will come in to steal that word before it ever has the ability to go down into your heart to produce the the harvest. Now, what's God's desire? For the word of God to be sown and to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's God's intention. Well, what's the soil that Jesus is talking about in that parable? The heart of man. And we're to have good soil. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I I know Mike's a, I'm going to call him this, he's going to laugh, a master gardener. Why do I say that? Because he grows big plants and fruit and all kinds of vegetables and all kinds of stuff. 
Well, here in just a few months, he's going to have to go out there to his garden. He's going to have to till that ground. And he's going to have to prep that soil to receive the seed. You know, there's work before the seed should be sown. That's what fasting is. It's like tilling up the soil of your heart. Saying, man, is there anything in here that shouldn't be? Is there anything that I need to remove and get out of my life? And yet, here they are. They're saying, man, we go to church. We're excited or we look excited to, to receive the word. And yet, they want to know, why is God not listening? Why is God not answering their prayers? Why does it seem like, you know, and I, I think it's interesting. I forget what translation it was about that it said this. is that They love to know that I'm on their side. That was one translation that I read about one of the things that God says here where it says, um, we've done much penance and you don't even notice it. Or, I'm sorry. No, here. The last part of verse 2, it says, they love to make a show of coming to me and, a- and asking me to take action on their behalf. They just like to say, oh, God's on my side. And yet God is not pleased with them. And God is saying, look, I'm not going to hear because what you're doing is not right. And so I believe it's important, first and foremost, one of the things that we could take from this and pull from this is that we have to ask ourselves, and I believe it's important, is to why am I fasting? Don't do it just because I told you to do it. Don't do it just because you're like, well, that sounds like a good idea, and I think I might look spiritual if I do it. Well, keep it to yourself first and foremost, so you shouldn't look spiritual when you do it. Nobody should really know what you're doing. It's between you and the Lord. So you need to know why am I fasting? And here's the second thing. And I believe the second question that's equally as important. What does the Lord want to do through this fast? God, what's your purpose for this time? What do you want to accomplish during this time? And you may not have specifics. He may give you specific things. He may tell you certain things to do. Hey, I want you to go read the book of Acts. Okay. Why? I mean, I remember one time the Lord gave me an instruction to go read through the book of Acts and and underline every time that there was something miraculous that happened. There's a lot of miracles that happened in the book of Acts. And And I could go there and I could see where God was working. So those are two important questions to ask yourself because if they would have asked themselves that, then I believe that this rebuke from the Lord wouldn't have come. If they would have understood what He was wanting to do. The second part there, verse 3. I'll tell you what, let me read this out of the message translation, verse 2 and 3 real quick. It says, they're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. It says, to all, of, all appearances, they're a nation of right living people, law abiding and God honoring. It says, they asked me, what's the right thing to do and love having me on their side? It was out of the message translation. I should have looked at my notes. It says, but they also complain, why do we fast and don't you, why don't you look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? You ever heard somebody say something like that? I don't know why God doesn't answer my prayers. This is no joke. I had somebody send me a I was finishing up my notes for this message last night. And one of my students that was in my youth group in Kansas sent me a Facebook message about 1130. And said, would you pray for me? Because God's going to hear your prayer more than he would mine. I know that you're closer to him than me. And I, and I think I've messed up too much for him to, to really pay attention to my prayer. There's a lot of people who feel that way. And, and some of you may feel that way. Well, it, and you may be even made that say, why do I do all this? And it seems like God doesn't even notice. Well, I would have to ask the question, where's your heart? Is your heart in the right place? Is your heart tender towards the things of God? You might need to remove some distractions and get some things out of the way so that your heart can be tender because there's things that are cluttering. There's things that may be defiling your heart that are getting in the way. It's like weeds in that garden that come in to choke the life out of that plant. It's just a leech. It's sucking the life away from that plant. Well, there may be things in your life that you need to put away. And there may be things that you put away for three weeks or two weeks or a week. And then in a week or two or a couple or whatever, you say, I don't want to pick that back up. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to my dad yesterday. We were having lunch before we came back here. And he began to tell me about one of his grandfathers. My granddad, that particular, well, my great-grandfather, his granddad, wasn't a godly man uh, in any way. But he was a smoker. Smoked camels, my dad said, all the time. 
And uh, so much that his fingers were brown in here, right here, you know. And so my dad's about 15 or 16 at the time, and he's sitting there smoking with his granddad. (laughs) But they're sitting there talking. And my dad said he gave the pack of cigarettes to my grandfather, my great-grandfather. He says, hey, I want you to finish these for me. And he says, well, it was a different brand. I don't remember what he said, but something different. He's like, well, I don't want those. He goes, well, I'm not going to smoke them. I'm going to quit smoking. I don't want to smoke. And he said, the only time in my grandfather's life, I began to watch him cry. He was a real hard guy. He said he began to weep. He was like, are you okay? And he says, that's the best decision you'll ever make. He says, I wish I could. Long story short, that grandfather died at about 61, 62 because his body was completely ravaged with cancer. Because he had smoked from the time he was six or seven years old. And yet, even in that moment when he's telling my dad, that's the best decision you'll ever make. I'm proud of you. To the point he's overwhelmed with tears for a man who has zero emotion other than anger. But I've heard stories. I didn't know him, but I've heard stories. Why do we, you know, even on Wednesday nights, we're doing this series. And I believe it's strategic. Sometimes we need to change before we have to. Why do we have to wait until it's crisis to to seek the Lord? Why do we have to wait until the doctors have told us a report that, man, and it's like, we, we can try a few things. And so then we want to go and run to the Lord. You know, God would speak to you now. God would give you instructions now. The Bible says he's the God who sees ahead and will make provision. Why won't God just tell us those things anytime, every time? Because we need to set that time aside to seek him. We need to give him place and say, God, I'm going to put everything else aside. Hmm. I don't know why I just said that story about my granddad smoking, but this is what I feel in my heart. And so I'm going to say it. There's somebody here that you deal with. Smoking cigarettes and you want to quit. And the Lord wants you to know that if you'll lay it down for this season, then that'll break that addiction and you'll be free of it for the rest of your life. But it's going to take obedience on your part to do that. So, um, anyhow, I don't know who that's for, but because I definitely didn't plan on saying that about my granddad, but anyhow. Let's pick back up here in verse, the second part of verse 3. God responds to their asking the question of um, why wouldn't he hear them or why wouldn't he notice? He says, I'll tell you why. It's because you're living for yourselves even while you are fasting. You keep on oppressing your workers. Uh, What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? He says, this kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. He says, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like a blade of grass in the wind. He says, you dress in sackcloth and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think that this will please me? Other translations. Um, well, it talks about, do, is this really the type of fasting that you believe would please me? In verse 6, it goes on. It says, no, the kind of fasting I want calls you to free those who are wrongfully imprisoned and to stop oppressing those who work for you. Treat them fairly and give them what they earn. It says, I want you to share uh, your food with the hungry and to welcome poor wanderers into your homes. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives uh, who need your help. It says, if you do these things, your salvation will come like the dawn. Yes, your healing will come speedily or quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. It says, then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. So maybe there's some areas of your life, even in physical healing, that you've been believing God for and believing God for and believing God for. He just said, if you'll do the fast that I have chosen. That's another translation says it, this, says it that way when God says, is this the fast that I have chosen for you? Because they were just doing what they wanted to do. He even says it. You're just living for yourselves. You're just doing what you want. And have never asked the Lord, Lord, what would you require of me? What would you ask of me? And he even says in one of the promises, he says, if you do these things. What's he talking about? Here specifically, the type of fast he wanted was, hey, I want you to be tender towards other people. Be kind to those who work for you. Pay them what is right. 
Because why? They were still, they were fasting. Even a little higher up there, he says, you're arguing. You're just... Again, fasting should be about our heart. It should be about what the Lord's speaking to us and doing in us. And yet he gives us a promise. He says, if you do these things, your salvation would come like the dawn and your healing would come quickly. I'm convinced that most decisions in life with God that are the difference between really blessing and and really experiencing God's fullness are not major. I believe many times they're, they're small adjustments that just need to be made. They're little things that we have to do. And those begin to open the floodgates, if you will. In a sense, you could say it this way, is that God was saying to them that His chosen fast uh, was to make them sensitive to the needs of others and to, and to give them a willingness to meet those needs with a heart of compassion and mercy. So that, you know, we could say it this way. They weren't walking in love. That's more of a, our terminology we'll understand. They were fasting, but they weren't walking in love with people. They saw needs and they turned a blind eye. They didn't care. Why? Because they were just doing what they wanted to do. It goes on here in verse, in the second part of verse 9. It says, stop oppressing the helpless and, start, or, and stop making false accusations and spreading vicious rumors. It says, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as day. He says, the Lord will continually or will guide you continually, watering your life when you are dry and keeping you healthy too. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. So again, there's a promise. If you'll do this the right way, if you'll do what I've required of you to do, that your life would begin to flow with blessings. I think it's interesting in verse 13, he, he picks up with a little bit shift of thought, but he, he says this and he, he um, makes a statement. He says, keep the Sabbath day, day holy. He says, don't pursue your own interest on that day, but in, enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Lord in everything that you do and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. He says, if you'll do this, well, what's he talking about? If you'll honor the Sabbath day. He said, the Lord will be your delight and I will give you great honor and give you your full share of the inheritance, inheritance that I promised to Jacob, your ancestor. I, the Lord... Have spoken. So all of this is about honoring the Lord, but it's a matter of the heart. This is not about just religious repetition. This isn't just about saying confessions and doing the things that we know to do, or maybe the things we were taught to do or raised to do. It, it, there's got to be a heart connection. We can't disengage our heart from what we're doing. Or again, it's not spiritual. For it to become spiritual, our heart has to be engaged with it. There has to be a heart connection. This is another quote that I got from the uh, Daughtery's book, um, Billy Joe and Sharon Daughtery, but I thought it was really good, and so I wanted to add it here. But if our attitude, if our attitude of heart doesn't line up with our spiritual discipline, does it really accomplish that which the Lord has intended? So we can have spiritual discipline. We can read our Bible. We can not watch TV. We can stay off the Internet. We can do various things. We can... You know, read the New Testament in two days and be all spiritual and yeah. But if the attitude of your heart doesn't line up with those disciplines, does it really accomplish that which God intended? The answer is no. Because God always intends to to deal with our heart. Always. God's not going to do something to your physical body. It's not where the discipline of the Lord takes place. Not now. It happens in our heart. And so I want to encourage you. You know, last year I I used this quote quite a few times throughout the various weeks. Is that this would be your best year ever if this was your best year ever spiritually. And I believe that same thing is still true. This year will be your best year ever if this is your best year spiritually. God wants to do more for you this year. God wants you to experience breakthroughs that you've been standing and believing for and asking for. And saying, God, win. God, win. God, win. I'm getting tired. Of praying the same prayer and it seems like nothing's happening. God wants this to be that year. God wants this to be your year where you see him do new things and things that you believe for. And things you've been asking for and, and just standing for. 
Well, you set the tone right now. You know, and, and, and you know, and, and this is some this it plays into a little bit of what we're going to be doing on Wednesdays. But here's the, and this is something I believe that we all need to take seriously. Number one, as an individual statement, every one of us should say this: I need to change. It's January third. I need to change. It's January third. You need to change. Like, well, why does that matter? Because if there's no change, there's no growth. I need to change. There are areas of my life that I need to change. Because I want to grow and I want this to be my greatest year ever. I want to, I want to be closer to God come December 31st of this year than I am on January 3rd. And I want to understand things about His heart that I didn't know as of today. But I'm setting the tone in these next couple of weeks for what God will do this year. Now, it doesn't mean that I just do this in January and I just take the rest of the year off. That's not what I'm talking about either. But I'm just setting a tone. There's areas of my life that I need to change. There's attitudes in my heart that I need to change. There's places that I need to grow. And here's the good news. I have the power to change. It's in Christ. It's not in myself. It's not just a self-discipline thing. It's not just me figuring it out and making it happen. No, I need to change and I have the power to change. In Christ, I have the ability. The Bible says the Holy Spirit all the while is effectually, constantly working in us both the will and the desire to do of God's perfect pleasure for you. So if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you right now. Why? To give you the power to change. It's not to make you a different person. It's the power to become all that God's called you to be. So we really have no reason or no excuse for not growing or not changing as the Holy Spirit empowers us. And we cooperate with Him. That's the key. It's just about cooperating with Him. So I want to encourage you over these next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing.